You're listening to a sermon originally recorded by Schweitzer United Methodist Church in Springfield, Missouri. Check us out online at sumc.co. And if this sermon blessed you, be sure to share it with someone else. Thank you so much for listening. Now, on to the message. God is going to show up for us, and God is going to engage with us in these stories if we're open to them. And God's going to move us to a different place than where we are right now. By sharing our stories, we enable one another and encourage one another and empower one another to have greater faith, you know. Um, and uh, I, I think there's real great hope in, in that, that these stories still continue today. Yeah, so we all have these great stories. Hey, he appeared to me also. Here's my story. Here's what happened. Take it or not, but that's what happened. There are a lot of different people that Jesus shows himself to. And it was an amazing thing, time and time and time again, how Jesus showed up. I think he's, he's looking forward to doing that today. Pastor Jason, one of the pastors here at Schweitzer, it's a joy to be with you today. I want to tell you uh, about Olive. A few weeks ago, I was walking through the Grodin Hill Preschool, and I popped into one of the classrooms to talk with one of the teachers, and there was a little girl, uh, I didn't realize it was nap time when I came in, but there was a little girl who was struggling to take a nap, and she was by the door. I guess that's, if you struggle to take a nap, you go by the door, it's the place you go, but she was, she was by the door, and I, I started to interact with the teacher, and, and this little girl from behind me, she, she started talking to me. She's like, hello, and I'm like, hello, and she said, what's your name, and I said, my name's Jason, what's your name? She said, Olive, I said, Olive, is Popeye here today, and, and without missing a beat, she said, he's not here today, <laughs> wasn't able to make it. And then she continued to converse because when you don't want to take a nap, when you don't want to sleep, what do you do? You, you, you take up the conversation that's there in front of you. And so, so she did, and she started to have this expansive conversation. She was asking all kinds of things. And then somewhere along the way, the idea that she didn't know Popeye came back into her mind. And she said, who's Popeye anyway? And I said, your mother hasn't told you about Popeye or your dad? No. I said, well, just ask your mom or your dad, you know, ask somebody. And she continued to... We continued to talk away, and then she said, by the way, will you come to my next birthday party? <laughs> now, I don't know what you, you know, what kinds of expectations you have for your conversations with little kids, but I, I looked at her and I said, well, don't you think a 45-year-old guy is a little old to come to your birthday party? And she said, well, I'll invite all of my friends, and then you, because 45 isn't too old. You can come too. I said, well, when is it? I don't know. And that's where the conversation ended, right then. As I left that classroom, I could not get away from that conversation because it was, I mean, it's precocious. Here's this little girl thinking big thoughts, thinking all kinds of things. Um, it reminded me in that moment that kids, kids have this incredible ability to wonder 
and to ask questions and to engage and to live life without boundaries that many of us begin to accept along the way. The other thing it reminded me is that kids see things. They see all kinds of things. And as I, I left that classroom and as I've thought about that conversation for some time now, it's almost as if this spirit has been speaking to me, asking me questions like, what are you seeing or what are you not seeing? What are you observing and what are you missing? Olive seemed to be observing all kinds of things. And maybe my 45-year-old eyes are not as bright or they're not as open as hers were. The next several weeks, uh, as Pastor Jim talked about and mentioned, we're going to be in a, a series called He Appeared to Me Also, where we pick up on a, a line from the Apostle Paul in 1 Corinthians 15, where he talks about the reality that Christ has a way of showing up and introducing himself. And as you saw in the bumper video, we really do believe that Jesus not only wants to not only did he show himself to a lot of people after his, his resurrection, but Jesus has a way, and he has a desire, he longs to show up in front of us, to us. He wants to say something to each and every one of us, and he really wants us to see him, to come to the place where we can say, he appeared to me, too. This morning we're going to look at the story from the Gospel of John. It's John chapter 20, where Mary has an encounter with Jesus, Mary Magdalene. The Gospel writer writes these words. Mary was standing outside the tomb crying, and as she wept, she stood and looked, or she stooped and looked in. She saw two white-robed angels, one sitting at the head and the other at the foot of the place where the body of Jesus had been laying. Dear woman, why are you crying? The angels asked her. Because they've taken away my Lord, she replied, and I don't know where they've put him. She turned to leave and she saw someone standing there. It was Jesus, but she didn't recognize him. Dear woman, why are you crying? Jesus asked her. Who are you looking for? She thought he was the gardener. Sir, she said, if you've taken him away, tell me where you've put him, and I will go and get him. Mary, Jesus said. She turned to him and cried out, Rabboni, which in Hebrew is teacher. Don't cling to me, Jesus said, for I haven't yet ascended to the Father. But go find my brothers and tell them, I am ascending to my Father and your Father, to my God and to your God. Mary Magdalene found the disciples and told them, I have seen the Lord. Then she gave them his message. The word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. When we open this text and we see this story, and you can begin to see what it might look like with the help of some iconography, we know that Mary is there at the tomb of Jesus. In fact, this is the second time that John tells us that Mary has come to the tomb. The first time, she came early in the morning with some other women, and she brought spices. And they had come with the intention that they were going to anoint the body of Jesus. Because the night when he was buried in that place, he wasn't anointed. So they had brought spices. In fact, Mary, Luke tells us that Mary had gone out the night he, he was crucified, and she 
she bought a bunch of spices, and so they've come this morning to anoint his body. But when Mary and the other women got there, the stone was rolled away, the tomb was empty. And she went and she found some of the disciples, and with Peter and John, she hurried back to the tomb to take another look. And John is really clear in telling us in that moment that when she looks in, she, she sees a couple figures, but not exactly what she's expecting to find. Well, who is this woman named Mary? If you watched Jesus Christ Superstar last Sunday night, you might have some sort of idea as to who Mary is. Mary Magdalene is her full name. Luke, the gospel writer, is the first one to tell us about her. She's somebody who encounters Jesus when he has a ministry in the northern part of Israel, up in Galilee. Uh, Luke will tell us, and Mark also tells us, that Mary is somebody who's had seven demons in her, and Jesus cast those demons out. What those demons were, we're not really told what they were, how they got there, we don't know. One of the things we simply know is that Mary, at some point in her life, early in Jesus' ministry, Mary and Jesus met, and it was a powerful meeting. God met her in that place, and God delivered her, God freed her. So much so that Mary and a number of other women become people who travel with Jesus. We don't always see um, the women who travel along with Jesus and the disciples. Many times we'll talk about the 12, right? And we do that to the detriment of the women who are here among us today. Because there were women who were encouraging this band that traveled with Jesus. In fact, Luke will tell us that they oftentimes paid the freight um, of that traveling band. So here is somebody in Mary who's got means and she's got resources and she believes in what Jesus is doing and, and the message Jesus is saying and delivering. And Mary's also somebody who, who travels with Jesus in good times and bad times. One of the last pictures we see of Mary before she comes to this place of being at the tomb is at the cross. In the theater when death reaches out and grabs a hold of Jesus. When a number of the other disciples run away, Mary stays close. And she's there at the foot of the cross when Jesus takes his last breath. And in fact, one of the other gospel writers, it's Matthew, will say that when they take the body of Christ down, Mary's there to watch it. And she watches as they take the body to the tomb that he's laid in, and they closed the tomb with the stone. Mary is somebody who loves Jesus deeply. She's been touched by him. She's been freed by him. And there is not one thing that can scare her away in that moment. There's nothing that can scare her away from seeing what happens to Jesus. She is somebody who loves deeply. And much. And she never expected the story to turn out as it's turning out. And her heart, I don't know if you see it, if you see it through her tears, but her heart is broken, deeply broken. And she is a woman who, at the moment when she stands in front of the tomb, is grieving and is filled with grief. It's kind of that sense of grieving that John will tell us she's unable to recognize who is present when she looks into the tomb. Because here on this second moment, she looks in and 
John says there are a couple of angels that are there present to her, and, and she begins to talk with them. But her conversation is really rather pedestrian. Most of the time when people in the Bible encounter an angel, they get the tarnation scared out of them. I don't know if you've ever noticed that. I don't know if you've ever seen an angel. But every time somebody in the scriptures sees an angel, the scriptures say they are just, they're shaking in their boots with fear. And Mary sees a couple of angels and it is a pedestrian conversation like, what have you done with this body? Like, I want to know what you've done with, with this body that was laid here. She expects to have some kind of answer from them. And they don't have an answer for her. So she turns around. She is, she's longing, longing to find the one that she has loved, to know where he is. She's invested so much with what Jesus was doing. And so, John says, she turns around and she sees somebody else. Um, she sees what she thinks is a gardener. Do you think you have good eyesight? Do you think you see things well? I, I think I tend to see things pretty well. Uh, we've got a couple of pictures. I, I wonder if you can see. Um, what do you see here? Some of you have seen this. What, what do you see? Call it out. Two faces, one woman. Anybody see two? How do you see two? There's an old woman and there's a young woman in that picture. How about the next picture? <clears throat> what do you see there? Saxophone and a woman. You see those two things? You see, you see pretty, pretty well this morning. You don't, um, or some of you are struggling to see it. Maybe it was the snow yesterday that has got you clouded. <laughs> Mary comes, and she's got the cloud of grief. Some of us don't have that cloud, but some of us do. Some of us have other clouds that are present in our eyes. Maybe it's depression. Or maybe it's a, just a, a burden that we're bearing uniquely right now. Or maybe it's we don't really know where we're at in life. But some of us know what it's like to try and see through difficult circumstances. And most of us know that sometimes even in the best of circumstances, it's hard to see everything that's going on. When Mary turns around and she sees, she sees somebody, John says, she thinks is a gardener. And a gardener in that situation was just somebody who was like a slave maybe, sent to care for the things that were happening in this, in this burial place. A slave, a gardener. And so her question is still present in her heart where she says, where have you, where have you placed him? What have you done with him? Tell me and I'll go find him. It's interesting, or maybe it's true, that she sees a gardener. Not the gardener she thinks, but Jesus himself 
If you go back to the story of the beginning of time and creation, Jesus functions like a gardener, bringing the garden of this world into being. And here in this moment, when Mary turns around, she thinks she sees another kind of gardener. And so she puts her question out there again. And Jesus continues to probe, and Mary continues to probe back. And then Jesus does, well, what in my own house gets my attention. Jesus says her name, Mary. How critical is it when somebody calls your name? How important is it? How powerful is it? My youngest daughter, I don't know why or when, maybe it was a year or a year and a half ago. Maybe it's because she's my youngest daughter and there are a lot of powerful voices in our house. But she started to call me by my first name from time to time, especially when she thinks I'm not doing something that I need to be doing or paying attention appropriately. And it's kind of with this kind of tone, Jason? <laughs> and I'm like, oh. Jesus calls her Mary. It's a name she's heard him say. Deeply into her own heart. And in that moment, in that sliver of space, suddenly she begins to see like she hasn't seen before. And things begin to make sense. And she, she calls out then, Rabboni, teacher. But Jesus does something in that moment too. Does something that I've struggled to get my mind and my head around, wrap it around her. Uh, uh, because Mary seems to reach out and she longs to grab for him. Maybe like she's done in the past. And Jesus says something to her very unique in that, in that moment. Don't, don't grab hold of me. For I've not ascended, but I, I'm going to my father and your father. Go and tell my brothers. Jesus, in this moment, finds a way to, to come close to somebody who's loved him deeply. To show himself to Mary who's grieving. To give herself, or to give of himself to her so that she can see he's, he's really alive really alive. And not only to show that he's alive, but Jesus gives her something to do. N.T. Wright, uh, writing on this passage, says, you know, Jesus has this friendship with Mary. But in showing us this whole story, he says the friendship and the intimacy are going to be different. In fact, it's a friendship and an intimacy that's not just going to be shared with Mary or the Twelve, but it's a friendship and an intimacy that's going to be open to all of us. And in fact, when he sends Mary, Mary becomes the first apostle ever. She becomes an apostle to the apostles. And so, if you've ever wondered what place women could have, might have, should have within the life of the church remembered that the first two people that ever told anybody about Jesus was Mary, his mother, and Mary Magdalene. 
the first two storytellers of Jesus. And so Mary goes, John says, and she begins to tell. And the world's been listening to her story ever since. Mary found Jesus in her grief because Jesus showed up. He found a way to show up. What's your story? Where's the place that you see Jesus? Where's the place where Jesus talks with you? How does he connect with you? Back in the fall, my youngest brother, who was struggling with great depression, died. And it was a, um, and still is, a great sadness for myself and, and, a num- and our family. At the funeral home, I came place where I was talking with one of my cousins who was at the time serving as a pastor and he was also a goat farmer. It's a unique, uh, a unique combination. And my cousin had spent a lot of time trying to help my brother through his depression. And so I went up to him and I said, how are you doing? I said, like everybody else, not very good. I said, how's your time with God? He said, yesterday, in a very, um, very audacious moment, he said, I said, God, if you're really there, I need you to show your face. He put an adjective in there because he wanted God to really know that he wanted God to show his face. So I looked back at him and I said, so how's that gone? He said, this morning when I went to the barn to do chores, to milk the goats, he said, Jesus showed up in a profound and unique way. Didn't expect it. I was not so bold as my cousin to kind of make an ultimatum with God to show up. But deep down in my own heart, I've been desiring that. I've been wanting to have those slivers of spaces. And as I begin to think back over what that might look like, there are times A couple weeks ago, I was walking through the food pantry. And one of the guys who was serving in the food pantry, he uh, he just, all of a sudden, he said, Jason, be kind to yourself. And then he said, when you need me, I'll call you. I'm like, I don't know what that means. (laughs) When you need me, I'll call you, but... He said, be kind to yourself. There's something about that moment that begins to be for me like a sliver of space. There was another moment a couple weeks ago back in the prayer room 
on a Sunday morning and we were just praying over this place before worship. And there was a dear saint of prayer who was in there with us. And she said, you know, God just wants me to tell you that he's really pleased with you all. For me, it was a sliver of space. And walking in to a preschool room and having a little girl invite me to her birthday party begins to be, for me, a sliver of space where God, in his graciousness, begins to show grace and reveal grace in ways that I haven't been looking for, in ways that I haven't been asking for, but in ways that are real and profound, in ways that my heart can hear. What's your story like? What's the place in your heart where Jesus wants to show you a bit of himself? To show you that he's, he's alive and he's real and he's powerful and that you're loved and the world around you is loved. Where is he speaking to the, to the pain and to the places that are dead? One of the things I think is, is rather critical, if you're somebody who's grieving, if you're somebody who's looking for him, is to be somebody like Mary who shows up in the midst of your grief who shows up when it's hard, when it's painful, when you don't understand, when things are difficult. Be somebody who shows up. Because somehow, whether it's the people around you, or the word of scripture, or the word of testimony, maybe it's just something else. God finds a way to reveal himself. And he finds a way to call out to our hearts, come alive. Come alive. Just as Mary's heart is called to come alive, so are ours. The band's gonna come, and as they do, there's a prayer that I'd like to pray with you and for you. You may want to pray it too, and if you'd like, this prayer is also in the app. So if you go to the app, the Schweitzer app, you can find this prayer there. I invite you, if you'd like, to pray along with, with me. O Christ of the resurrection, when you spoke Mary's name, she knew it was you. You know each of us personally. You call us by name. In times of doubt or perplexity, Speak gently to us. Speak our name and help us to realize that it is not our weakness that counts, but your strength, not our achievements, but your redeeming grace in us that brings us to the new day. Amen.